Welcome to the Modern Intimacy Podcast, a show about mental health, sex, relationships, education, how-tos, and those private things we need to talk about more publicly with no restrictions. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri. As a licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, and certified sex addiction therapist, I know that mental health is directly tied to the quality of our relationships and our sex lives. I am passionate in my desire to smash stigmas about both and shine a light on relationship and societal issues that may be negatively affecting us. During this podcast, I will also give you practical answers and insights to questions you're asking about or have been hoping to solve. We should all have fulfilled, happy lives, erasing shame and stigmas and building healthy connections. Let's do that by getting curious together. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Modern Intimacy Podcast. Today, I want to start by reading a question that one of our listeners sent in. And just a reminder, please send us your questions and we're happy to answer them on the show when we can. So this question comes from a woman who says, my husband and I are in an open relationship, but a couple of days ago, my gay bestie told me he saw my husband on Grindr. This blew my mind because my husband has always said he's straight. So how can that be if he's having sex with men? Can he really be straight or is he bi or gay? And is there anything wrong with what's happening here? So to answer this question, I wanted to bring on a very special guest and dear friend, Dr. Joe Court. Dr. Court runs this amazing practice in Michigan, and he's the author of the book, Is My Husband gay, bi, or straight? This question comes up a lot about whether or not straight men can have sex with men and still be considered straight. So I wanted to bring you on and I'm so grateful for you being here today so we can answer this question. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. When you hear this question, I'm so curious about the first place that your mind goes when someone's asking you this question of can straight men actually have sex with men? It goes to, I guess in my mind, it's it's kind of a ludicrous question because straight women are sexual with other women all the time. We even have a word for women in college, you know, the term lugs, lesbian until graduation. And so everyone understands that and she graduates and she's, you know, being playful with it. But when it's men, it's like, there's no wiggle room. As soon as this is what I always say, when a man has one non-heterosexual thought, he's stigmatized. When a woman has one non-heterosexual thought, she's fetishized. Both are problematic, but she gets a little room. He doesn't. She gets a little room because the idea of her sexuality is that it still caters to the male gaze. Whereas when a man has one non-heterosexual experience with another man, immediately that does what? It produces a disgust response. And that disgust response, um, it, it takes away his heterosexual identity from both men and women. I was really, I'm really surprised at how many women I think women get scared, you know, they get scared because it might mean that he's really gay and I'm wrong and they're going to lose everything. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. There also are a lot of undertones of homophobia and why men are so stigmatized and women are not. There are much greater consequences for men in terms of how they relate to their masculinity if they are to have more fluid sexual experiences. So I'm curious about how you help 
men make sense of this and how you help their partners make sense of kind of what they're sitting with in terms of all of these layers of sexual experience. That's such a great way to say it. There's so many layers. Uh, The layer I start with is that there's a difference between your sexual orientation and your erotic orientation. Your sexual orientation is to whom you're attracted to in terms of gender, non-binary, multiple gender. But your erotic orientation are the things that get you off, the things that bring you to orgasm. And so lots of people erotically get turned on by things they would never want in real life, do in real life, might discuss them in real life. But in the erotic zone, it's, it's um, and it may even go against the way they, they morally believe, religiously believe. And so for a lot of the men that come to me that are straight, this is an erotic situation. It's not an attraction to men. That makes a lot of sense to me, right? But let's break that down a little bit further. How can something be a part of someone's erotic orientation, but not include an attraction to men? So they're attracted to the act. So the sex act. And so when I wrote my book, I put the most popular things I see in my office, which are a lot of straight men enjoy receiving anal sex. And um, they love to have their wife put a strap on on and have peg her, peg him. But if they talk to her about it, she sees it as gay or he's too afraid and too ashamed to tell her because she's he's worried. She's so he goes and finds other men to have transactional, non-committal, sometimes not even names are being um, said. It's just let's get this over with and, and I'm done. And it satisfies um, something inside of them that isn't the attraction to the man, but to the, the physical experience he had. Right. So it's more to the sensation in that case, right? Somebody likes the stimulation of that kind of anal play and they feel safer maybe having men play in that space with them than bringing it to their partner. Or maybe they felt humiliated with their partner or like it might be a power shift that they're not ready for if they are partnered with a woman, because for a lot of people, they overcouple the ideas of topping and bottoming um, with power in their relationship. Absolutely true. And a lot of the guys, some of them are just into uh, maybe they can be a little bit more um, feel a little bit more desired because gay. if they um, hook up with gay men, gay men are going to you know talk about how nice they look and how big they are or whatever. And uh, they might be able to be a little bit more verbal, aggressive than they would want to ever be with a woman or a woman would not want even in, in a uh, consensual exchange. So there's some more freedom they get. Or maybe they want to just feel like you said, submissive. And they, and they can't go there with their female partners. Yeah. What are some of the other more common scenarios where you see straight men hooking up with men? The most common, I wrote two chapters on it, and probably because we're therapists, we see most of this, I'm sure you've seen this, where mm-hmm. it's they've been trauma, male, traumatized by a male perpetrator in childhood. So I call it, you know, we talk about trauma reenactment, returning mm-hmm. to the scene of the sexual crime. So they're reenacting, they're not sexual urges, they're trauma urges. They've gotten eroticized and the man is completely unhappy with what he's doing. It's not a satisfactory experience. Whereas with the gay or bi men, they come back and they have all kinds of shame and all kinds of guilt. But during the act, they have all kinds of fun. That's not necessarily the case for men who have been sexually abused. Straight men who are sexually abused or the straight men. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. No, the straight men who have been sexually abused when they're with these other men, they can even feel that they're doing something that is not aligned with who they are. Right, right. I'm really glad that you brought that up because there are so many men who experience sexual abuse at the hands of other men, and they often will struggle with ideas about what that means in relationship to their sexual orientation. 
And they may have even been told things by the perpetrator that would give them the impression that their sexual orientation is different than how they understand it to be. And that's why they were chosen for victimization. So it's really important to differentiate what is behavior based on pleasure or convenience or erotic orientation versus trauma that is compelled by a repetition or reenactment of old trauma in the past. Absolutely. Um, and another reason a lot of guys will talk about being sexual with other men is money. The exchange of money, getting paid turns them on. I've had several clients tell me that they're cash sexual, you know, <laughs> so that's the new term for them, right? <laughs> and, and they would love it better if a woman would pay them. And some women do that, but most guys will pay other guys to have an exchange. And so that, that's the turn on. They have an erection from the money. That's really fascinating and makes so much sense. So in in what percentage of cases would you say there's an element of humiliation or degradation that accompanies a straight man's desire to be sexual with men? I don't know. Um, it's so hard, right, to make generalizations from our practices because I'm only thinking about the men I see in here and that come to me. But um, I know that it's a bigger part because uh, it's not something they want to necessarily do with their female partners or that their female partners are willing to do with them. And they can go a little bit harder and stronger by receiving it or getting, giving it. A lot of these men are into BDSM and kinks and fetishes and it's the BDSM and it's the kink and the fetish that's getting them off. They prefer the gender to be straight because they're straight men or to be women, but because they may not have a female available, they're more than happy to do it with men because the action is what's turning them on. Yeah, that that's really interesting. So said another way, in some in some ways with some men, do you see them as selecting men to have these kinds of sexual experiences with as a way to protect their female partner? Oh, 100%. In fact, what they say and um every guy I've ever worked with, he's I I deal with guys all over the world and consult with them and they all say the same thing. I didn't feel like I was cheating on my wife mm -hmm. and it's because it's not a female and they're, but they're also able to express themselves in that way. And they're protecting her from his own desires. That's a really yeah. well said. Yeah. I mean, in, in their minds, they're protecting them. I think a lot of female partners still experience it as a betrayal. Horrible. And Horrible. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the best of intentions gone awry and, um, yeah, I think protection is a motive that I hear a lot about. They're protecting their partner from the intensity of the sexual experience that they want to have. They're also sometimes protecting their partner from the idea that their marriage is anything different than what it is or that their relationship is anything different than what it is. And for any fear or shame that their partner might feel if they knew the true nature of their erotic fantasies. Yes. Yep. And the, then the other thing I see that's pretty common are men who cross-dress. So we don't, you know, that word is sort of fading now. They're calling it gender play or feminization. And he might enjoy dressing like a woman, uh, you know, taking pictures of himself. And the actual act of being sexual with another man is the ultimate feeling of being, of feeling like a woman, right? It's not a transgender experience. It's a cisgender heterosexual man who likes to feel, is eroticized the femininity. And the man being sexual with them just adds to it. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the concerns that you hear from partners? Mm, so many. You know, I always thought the first concern that most women would have 
is um, uh, HIV or some kind of sexually transmitted infection or disease. That's a concern, but that's not her first concern. It's, is he gay and he's going to leave me? That's mm-hmm. the main concern. Yeah, yeah. That that feels spot on and consistent with what I hear too. Uh, there's often a fear of abandonment and a fear that the the woman in the relationship has misjudged her partner and therefore all of the wonderful memories that they've shared are meaningless, right? They often feel like they didn't know their partner. And if they didn't know this about them, what else don't they know? So it can really shatter a sense of trust, not only in their partner and in their relationship, but in their reality, right? Because for a lot of women, they don't ever think that this could be a possibility. And it doesn't make sense to them because it really blows out a lot of the paradigms that people are conditioned to understand when it comes to heterosexuality. Yeah. Most of the cases that I work with, you have to deal with the infidelity response that she's going to have. It's such a betrayal. And then that it's with a man is even harder. And I feel so bad for them because they'll say to me, I'm not homophobic. I'm not. I, I don't I don't I don't feel this way about anybody else who's gay, but this is my husband. And I've actually heard, saw I have read comments in my TikTok or social media where people say, no, that's homophobic on her part. I, I guess it could be, but I don't see it that way. I see it as her, it's an infidelity response, as we said, but also her disgust response. Sometimes, and I'd love to see here what you have to say about this. Sometimes I think women carry a patriarchal version of what a man should be. And this goes against that patriarchal version and because he's not supposed to be soft or be with men or receive anal sex or whatever it is. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's really um, it's really layered and nuanced and a lot depends on each of the partners and the conditioning that they've both had around gender and the implicit and explicit agreements in their fidelity in their relationship. But I think when a lot of women have this disgust response, one, it is a trauma response um, certainly, uh, more often than not, in fact, I can only think of a, a few instances, um, when I've worked with partners who are experiencing betrayal trauma, um, there's only a few instances where there hasn't been a discussed response around sex in general. And so I do think that the act of betrayal can evoke a huge discussed response, no matter who is the betrayal partner, um, or the affair partner in this case. So, um, we have to think about disgust, you know, in terms of what its function is. And disgust is a gatekeeper emotion. It says, keep that out, whatever the thing might be, or the act might be, or the experience. So for a lot of women, I, I do really think it's about simply the betrayal and this person feels unsafe to me. So it becomes an easier target to look at who is my partner acting out with and let me hold the characteristics that I assign to them responsible for my partner's betrayal. And so sometimes I think there's a confounding of, of that when it comes to straight men acting out with men, but definitely there are some people, some partners who say things like, you know, it would be better if it were with another woman, because I can't compete with a man. I don't have a penis. I don't know how to even come back from that. And I think sometimes the disgust comes from that. There's just um, components of sex play that they don't know how to engage in and might feel really foreign to them. I try to, when we're doing this work, which is so intense, as you know, and can get so um, difficult and nuanced and layered, but I I try to say to them, because these men come to my office holding my books. They have read my books. 
because they're well-intentioned, well-intended therapists will say to them, you must be gay if you're compulsively having sex with men, it's anal sex. So he's holding my books, he's read them. He doesn't, he says, if I'm gay, help me be gay. And most gay men would never say that if they're in the coming out process, they wouldn't even make it to my office. And I always say to them and to their wives, your anus doesn't have a sexual orientation. It doesn't know whether it's straight, gay, or bi. It's an anus, it's pleasurable. You didn't make um, great choices in getting that fulfilled because of the agreement you had with your wife. And um, we need to talk about that. But the fact that you like somebody to um, prostate pleasure you um, is not a gay thing because as you know, in my work, there's lots of gay men that don't have anal sex. You've coined a term called a side, right? And we often think about sex as sort of having a top and a bottom. So can you tell listeners what it means to be a side? Yes. Yeah, so the gay, in gay male culture, um, when it comes down to intercourse, which is always the gold standard, even in, among straight people, that that's the sex act, um, that when people say I'm having sex, they're always talking about penetration and intercourse. And so um, the, the man who inserts is the top and the man who receives is the bottom. And then you can be verse, you could go both ways, or you could be top verse, bottom verse. So I identify as a side. I've never had anal sex. I'm not, I'm not, my anus is not a pleasure zone. I, I'm nothing happened to me. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. A lot of people have wanted to shame me over the years for that. It's just not how I like to play with pleasure. And so I came up with the term, if you're not a top and you're not a bottom, then maybe you're a side. And um, my friends laughed about it when I said it. And I thought, wait, why is that funny? And I started to come out about it. And I wrote an article about it. And this year, Grindr and Scruff, both the gay premier gay apps, have taken it on as a sexual position. That's amazing. Congratulations for identifying that term and really giving voice to what a lot of men feel and, and how they choose to be understood in their sexuality. So when we think about somebody who identifies as a side, and also is a straight man who has sex with men. Do you see many sides showing up in that space? Yeah. It- yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing that I forget too, that most, when I talk about straight men who have sex with men, people go right to anal sex. That is not the majority of what's going on. They're, they're giving oral sex. They're getting oral sex. Sometimes there's kissing. And a lot of people say, if he's experiencing pleasure, then it has to be gay. But if he's doing it for money or he's doing it because of trauma reenactment or he's in prison, then he, then they they can excuse it. It's really strange. But it's a more it's much more side play than intercourse or penetration. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really about, and I think that's so important. There's often a convenience that comes with straight men having sex with other men because men don't always have the same kinds of hangups about opportunistic sex or casual sex. And that's an important piece here to consider because for a lot of women, women are conditioned to attach a lot of emotion to sex and a lot of meaning about relational security and safety in terms of, do we mean something to each other? And is this about expressing our love? That's not good or bad, right or wrong, but it's not always the purpose of sex. And sex devoid of that connection is not a bad thing necessarily. So I think a lot of men turn to other men because it's convenient. It's, it's literally no strings attached and there are much easier agreements foraged around um, quick transactional um, opportunistic sexual experiences than there are with uh, between men and women sometimes. It's so true. And um, a lot of the men have a higher desire for sex than their female partners. And they might have exhausted all the ways of trying to make that happen in their relationship. 
So then they go out and it's availability and opportunity, just like you say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are some of the things that people are surprised to learn as they're making sense of this for themselves? I think a lot of people are surprised by the fact that you have an erotic orientation that isn't always attached to your sexual orientation. And I love to teach that because it's so freeing to understand. It gives people permission to go, yeah, I might fantasize about rape, but it's rape play. It's not real. You know, I'm not imagining myself in an emergency room with a bloody lip. I'm imagining somebody forcibly taking me and we're all in agreement, all that kind of stuff. And I think that the biggest surprise is that you, that, because a lot of them think, well, I must be bi. But bisexuality um, involves a generalization, a generalized attraction to the same sex. So if you go on the beach, you're at an airport in the mall, with these men, it's really specific, context-specific, person-specific, and can't be created. It's not something you can just make happen. It just happens. And people are surprised by that. That's a really good point. A lot of women watch lesbian porn. A lot of straight women watch lesbian porn for similar reasons, right? It's not part of their sexual orientation. They don't fantasize about women. They don't want to be sexual with other women. They don't want to be romantic with other women, but they really appreciate watching lesbian porn because it is centered around the female gaze and around female pleasure. And so they have more access to their own pleasure, seeing it mirrored on the screen. Whereas in porn that features people with penises, usually that porn is centered around penis-oriented pleasure. And so a lot of women who watch it feel bored and left out or like it's misogynistic and it can be. So you know, I think that's a really great way to think about the difference between erotic orientation and sexual orientation. What kind of pleasure do you like to experience and how do you access that? Yes. And, and you may, I don't know if you know this, a lot of people don't. I, I learned it in the 90s. There are um, many lesbians that like to watch gay male porn. They're not attracted to men, but they like the overt sexuality. They don't necessarily like the lesbian porn that's out there. Um, they feel like it's not uh, realistic enough or, or the, there's not enough penetration or whatever it is that they, and so, um, you know, then that frees them up to understand that it helps excite them to watch gay male porn. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, the kids are all right, but there's a little tiny scene. Did you see it? And there's a scene in there where she, her son finds gay male porn and they're lesbians. He's like, what is this? They did not explain it at all in the movie, but I, I remember thinking, wow, you know, at least somebody's trying to say something about it. Yeah, that's that's a, that's amazing. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that and catch that scene again. I know a lot of straight women who even watch gay male porn. There's something really erotic about it. And for for a lot of women who watch gay male porn, sometimes it's about the fantasy that these men are so overcome by their sexual urges that they're willing to um, be sexual together, even when they might not be gay. And there's something really fun for them about pushing that taboo. Yep. And I'll tell you something, and I'm pretty out about this. Gay porn leaves me cold. I do not like to watch gay porn. I like to watch straight porn and I'm not necessarily attracted to women, but I like the way the sex happens in a gay porn than I do in gay male porn. <laughs> you mean you like the way it happens in straight porn versus gay oh, porn? That's what I meant. Yeah. Does that, yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What's different for you about it? The alpha, there's more of an alpha male in the straight porn. And, and you don't necessarily see that as much. There's more of a power equality in the in the gay male porn, which is fine. But I kind of like to watch a little power exchange. And I see it a little bit more often in straight porn. That's a really great point. 
So when we're talking to partners or talking with partners, what are some things that they're surprised to learn about themselves or about sex? What usually trips them up? Such a great question. Just that they never considered it, that they never even considered that ever being this close to them in their lives. Um, and I think just maybe what I already said, the, the surprise that she's so disgusted by what she's thinking is about being gay, you know, and, and it, it goes right against her, her real feelings about LGBT, you know, culture. But I, it's the, the thing I have to t- teach her over and over again is it, it's really not about that. This is not a homophobic response because she might have a gay kid or a gay father or a lesbian, you know, daughter. Right. And and they don't typically have a disgust response when they think about other people they love and care about being members of the queer community. That's, you know, fine and acceptable to them, which really kind of brings me back to that original thought. This is about the sexual betrayal and the idea that my partner's been sexual with someone else in a way that blows my mind with surprise. And so that feels scary. And I think the disgust about protection. Yes. And I did think of what the biggest surprise is for both of them, but for her too. And, and I love to do this, try to understand, I call it cracking the erotic code. Oftentimes there's a reason that he's chosen men or the way in which he is interacting with that man might have threads to his childhood, might have threads to something else about him. And that reduces and almost sometimes erases her disgust response. And she can have compassion for him because it has nothing to do with the act and it has more to do with the history. So what would you say for couples who are at that place, they've recovered from the betrayal trauma, they've cracked the erotic code, they understand what these behaviors mean to them. And the female partner says, I'm really just not interested in that kind of sex play. You know, I would love to give you what you need, what you want, but I can't do it. And I don't want you to have sex with other men anymore. Those are really hard, you know, um, and I always say, look, when you're working with couples like that of any kind, yes, there's a no in the room, but there's also a yes in the room. It doesn't mean the no has to change to yes, but that doesn't also mean that the yes has to change to no. So I, I encourage them to have conversations about how can they play this out then? Can they erratically talk about it while they're engaging in sex in the bedroom? Can they watch gay porn together or whatever it is that in some way that he can satisfy that, scratch that itch with her um, comfort levels there too. It's hard. Those are hard discussions. They are hard discussions and they bump up against another thing that I think most folks don't really know about sex or about their own sexuality. In addition to having a sexual orientation and an erotic orientation, we also have an erotic identity right? Which is uh, a way that we see ourselves in in the light of what we find erotic. So many people don't want to see themselves as somebody who would be open to certain kinds of sex play because they've attached meaning to that, or they find a lot of pride and empowerment in certain kinds of sex play that they are into. And so I think when that comes up, there's often a conversation about what aspects of identity might be bumping up against the desire for this kind of play? And where might there be a clash in values um, between how a person sees themselves in real life versus what it might mean to step into this fantasy play with someone else? And I think sometimes that can help them find a more common ground when they recognize that their values and their identity outside of this play remain intact. And Mm. so 
it can be kind of reframed as we're going to a bit of a sandbox. And as adults, we've got different kinds of shovels and different kinds of buckets, but we get to play in the sand too. It just takes different forms. So sometimes that can be a path into finding a way that they can both feel good about incorporating play that maybe was being satisfied outside the partnership. Yes. And and I like what you said earlier. Um, a lot of the women, sometimes the surprise is they're turned on by it, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they want to play, maybe watch him with another man as long as she's involved. And I'm seeing this more with younger women. I'm going to be honest, under 40 that are mm-hmm. saying, you know, they're more open to that than the older women. And it might just be a generational thing and a fear factor thing. I'm seeing that too. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm seeing a rise in um, couples who are enjoying cuckolding and hot wife fantasies and hot wife play. And sometimes this space can be a really great merging of um, whatever might be uh, within the man's erotic orientation. And it might create a way for the wife to play and really be um, uh, prioritized and idealized and even sometimes worshiped in that space. So it can be a place where she can join and feel really positive about it. Yeah. I am glad you brought that up because that's another big, and I have a whole chapter on that as well, where I talk about what that means and the power dynamics, because in often in the cuckolding, when there's two men and a woman, if the woman isn't there, and even in hot wifing, the two men are left cold. They're not aroused or in, they might engage with one another in some ways, during cuckolding, but if the woman's not there, it's the turn off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and talking about this. Is there any last advice or um, I guess starting points that you might offer to folks who are in this space of questioning what's happening for them? Yeah. So um, I always tell people I'm not a gay whisperer. If I was, <laughs> I would be rich and having dinner with Cher tonight on my yacht or hers. I don't know. I always say that I have four questions that you can ask. The man can ask himself. Only the man can respond and answer this. Nobody, I can't, so partner can't. And the four questions are, is there any youthful noticing? Most straight and bi men have, I know I have tons of thoughts and memories of being a little kid and attraction to other boys and wanting. The straight men who have sex with men have no youthful noticing of boys. It's all girls. The second thing is there's no homophobia. People that are closeted, gay men, bi men, um, just non-straight men are so phobic about themselves that they can barely talk about it. So there's no homophobia. Uh, I call it the beach test, the third one. When you're on the beach, uh, where is your eye, your gaze drawn? You know, where are you looking? And, you know, I always say no offense to women, but you're in my way on a beach. I'm trying to look at the adult men all around, you know. So the straight men who have sex with men are looking at the women. The men are in the way. And the final one is, who do you want to come home to? Who Who do you see yourself with and straight men who have sex with men say women. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Any tips for partners or questions for partners? Um, I guess just if they can hold on and really let the process, I know this is hard. It's like, I I don't say this in there. I I try to be really sensitive about it because I know it's not an easy thing to wait, but um, to be patient because if her husband or male partner is not gay or bi, it's going to come out in the end and, and you'll be fine. You can be fine from it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That is one of the hardest things. I think when when partners make a discovery like this or they receive a disclosure, it just blows their whole world open. And ambiguity is really hard to stay present with because there's so much uncertainty and so much fear. And so a lot of people will jump to a decision about their relationship really fast. Um 
because they're looking really to assuage the fear and the uncertainty and uh, getting to a decision, even if it's any decision, doesn't matter what decision helps to provide some of that relief. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Dr. Joe. Um, where can folks reach you if they have more questions? And can you maybe say a little bit about your different books? Sure. I have a website, joecourt, J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. All my social media handles are at Dr. Joe Court, D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T. And um, I wrote two books um, for gay men. One's called 10 Smart Things Gay Men Can Do to Improve Their Lives. And then 10 Smart Things Gay Men Can Do to Find Real Love. They were in the nine, uh, no, I'm sorry, the early 2000s. I'm coming, and I've updated all these books. Um, I'm just coming out and, and having good relationships in their lives. And my third book was um, for therapists, LGBTQ Clients in Therapy. I originally wrote in 2008, but have updated it in 2018. I mean, the gay LGBT community is changing while we speak. I'm sure it's completely different when we hang out from this than it was when we started a half an hour ago. So and true. Then, then my last book, Is My Husband Gay, Straight or Bi, is really about male sexual fluidity. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. And please, everyone, go give Dr. Joe a follow on his social media channels. He's amazing, has a great um, presence, and gives out amazing content. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Modern Intimacy Podcast. On Instagram, follow me at Dr. Kate Balistrieri and at The Modern Intimacy. On TikTok, check me out at Dr. Kate Balistrieri and on Twitter at Kate Balistrieri. Everyone has questions about mental health, sex, and relationships. Send yours to me via DM on Instagram or email them to questions at modernintimacy.com and I'll answer some at the end of each episode. Visit the website modernintimacy.com to schedule a consultation with a member of our team or to sign up for our newsletter. Let's meet back here next week. New episodes air every Tuesday. Reminder, this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health services. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.